Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm one dude, Parker. I'm the other dude, Jeff. And dudes, this episode, we're talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. But first, Jeff, what else have you been streaming? Parker, I've actually got a couple things to mention this week. Hell yeah, go. Look at you, bro. Go, man. I'm proud of you. Go. Go the, one, the first one actually has a connection to scary stories to tell in the dark. All right. Uh, when we saw Tommy's character, I'm like, why does that dude look so familiar? Uh-huh. I was like, so, of course, I had to research it and I looked him up and I realized he was actually in something that Steph and I watched um, probably last holiday season called uh, Dash and Lily. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's like a uh, short eight episode type deal. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just like a one season um, situation. And, you know, each episode is maybe 20, 30 minutes. But um, if you're into like the holiday stuff, it was actually really good. It, it wasn't your typical like Hallmark storyline. The, the premise behind the story was really cool. The, the acting was, was really good. It was actually, it was a good change of pace compared to the normal stuff we watched during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely highly recommend that one. But yeah, he, he was like the main male character. Uh, the guy that played Tommy, that is, in uh, Dash and Lily. So, uh, so yeah, and the other thing um, I streamed this week was Halloween Kills. Since we're actually covering Halloween ends next week, I need to get that one in so I can right. kind of follow along. And and uh, it, it was good. I mean, you know, after you've done Michael Myers and Halloween so many times, I, I think there's kind of a, a ceiling to how great it can actually be. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't horrible. I do think in spots it's a little over the top, almost silly. Not that they're, they're acting goofy and silly, but just like. I don't know, just the concept, I think, sometimes was just a little silly. Yeah. Or, or maybe the execution of it was just, was just a little much. But overall, if you like Michael Myers, if you like the whole Halloween series, definitely give it a give it a look. Not great, not bad, so kind of in between. But I am looking forward to covering the last one, Halloween Ends, next week to see, uh, to see how they kind of close it out. Like, so how about you? What has your sick, twisted mind been into the past week or so? Well, I'm going to stick with my theme of being sick and twisted. As some of you probably know, Netflix has been doing a an Unsolved Mysteries reboot on, on there. And this season, they have been releasing just a few episodes. And the, the first three just released this past Tuesday. And they're going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday through i believe october i'm not sure if it goes any further than that but the first three were pretty good this season the second season i wasn't too thrilled with the first season was very interesting had a lot of interesting stories uh but i'm i've been finding the third season so far a lot more interesting than the the second so i'm excited to see what kind of episodes are coming up and uh because this is definitely like my introduction to everything as far as like true crime or just like spooky true stories and like the i guess the conspiracies the unexplained because the original unsolved mysteries i've watched 
with my mom when I was very young, probably too young. Oh, yeah. But man, just the theme song is it's like almost a comfort thing at this point. Uh, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I love that show as a kid. It was like that and America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like those those two shows, man, it just kind of drew you in. That And I don't know if you can remember, but there was also another show that Robert Stack also hosted called Rescue 911. And oh, it did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did dramatic reenactments of like stories from like, you know, obviously from paramedics and stuff. But it was that was always like a weird show because I remember there was one episode where like a girl was reaching to get an ice cream bar from the back of the freezer and somehow her tongue or mouth got stuck to the freezer and the paramedics had to come and get her out. And for some reason, that story has stuck with me. And it is like a core memory <laughs> since I can remember my entire life. I've been afraid of like reaching in the back of the freezer and I like make it a per I make a mental note to purposely like turn my head away from like the freezer, even <laughs> as an adult and my arms are like totally long enough. Sometimes if I ever have to like reach in like a deep freezer or anything, I will just turn my head away from the actual freezer itself out of fear that my lips or something will get stuck to the freezer and I'll just be <laughs> stuck there. Uh, Cause it was just, it just, yeah. So this week we are actually, talking... actually Parker. Yes. I'm about to go off script. All right. And of course you're the editor. So you got all the power, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just something I got to know. I mean, it, this is a topic that can like destroy relationships, but I, I feel like our friendship is ready for this debate and this conversation. All right. But uh, like you like cereal, right? Yes. Okay. So milk or cereal first in the bowl? Cereal first. Oh man. See, I'm a milk first guy. What? Dude. So here's the thing. Cereal to me is all about the crunchability. Mm-hmm. right so if if it ain't the crunchiest possible i don't want it i'm not interested Bougie. I, don't my, I don't want it soggy <laughs> i don't even want it remotely soggy so not only do i put my milk in first i just put a little bit of cereal in at a time oh my eat gosh those, eat those few bites <laughs> that way i'm mac parker life's too short not to maximize the crunchiness of cereal i'm not letting that cereal soak in milk and by the time i get to the last few bites it's how does your wife deal with you i don't know (laughs) seriously (laughs) i can't say much i mean i definitely have like my things but i mean all right so what what provoked this question i have to know what what provoked this one i don't know it's like for some reason i've been seeing this debate like make its round on tiktok in the last couple of months and then and then i, I slowly started to realize that wait i must be one of the weird ones <laughs> yeah i think i think so <laughs> which i mean when i was younger i always put my cereal in first uh-huh. but you know you get older you get a little bit wiser so i'm like you get a little technique it's like why am i dealing with soggy cereal i mean because because I would always eat cereal extremely fast. I mean, like mm-hmm. way too fast because I didn't want any of it to not be crunchy or to be soggy. So I'm like, you know what? There's a better way. And what is it they say? Work, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So, okay. So, so to, to me, putting the milk in first is working smarter. Unless, so, I mean, it's, unless it's a weird person that actually, because I, I know some people, my dad's one of them that actually loves his cereal soggy, especially like frosted flakes. Mm-hmm. He poured in the, the milk and let it walk away. 
and just let it sit. And I just thought that is so nasty. That I mean, okay. So I will be honest. I do. There are certain cereals that I just don't use milk with for that reason. And Frosted Flakes would be the absolute number one reason, like one that I would never use milk with because I wouldn't enjoy that. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of milk on my cereal in general, but I will say that the ones that just to kind of go with what you're saying and kind of agree with you, I guess I, the only ones I actually enjoy milk on my cereal are the ones that are already incredibly crunchy. So it's like your cocoa puffs, your crunch berries, like the ones that will shred the inside of your mouth if you eat them dry. So those ones I enjoy a little bit more just because they're already like, like just eating them. If I eat them, like I would eat other cereals like frosted flakes, it would shred up my mouth. So milk is enjoyable for me in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I kind of agree with you, but I also, that's the reason I use the milk is for the sogginess because I'm not a milk person whatsoever, but I'm also very weird. Uh, I'm also a fan of circus peanuts and a lot of people just hate circus peanuts in general, but I take it a step further and I like to eat the stale circus peanuts. So, you know, if they're soft, I like to enjoy like leaving them out or leaving them open for like a little while and letting them get stale and then eating the circus peanuts. So, so so what about candy corn? Uh, Candy corn. I'm like, it's very middle of the road for me. I don't hate it. I hate but it. I can't stand it. I, I won't I won't reach for candy corn like excitedly. But yeah. I'll grab a couple pieces if I see it just every once in a while, just so I can be like, okay, yeah, candy corn. Like it's just it's like one of those things that's like I almost have to try. Um, I definitely have things that I just can't stand. Um, I think they're called like Mary Jane's. Like I love peanut butter, but those little like red and black toffees that oh, i think yeah, every yeah. grandparent has I'm not a fan of that i don't like the even though i like strawberries i don't like the little strawberry candies either those things always taste weird yeah i don't really care for the uh do you remember the little like i feel like i might have mentioned them before but those little bottles that have like the little bit of like kool-aid in them the like wax bottles oh yeah yeah that's yeah, always weird those were gross i'm not a fan of those i don't like the way the the liquid taste it just the taste of it's just like a it's like a chemically kool-aid taste i don't know so i'm not a big fan of those either but circus peanuts all about circus Ooh. peanuts love them love them did you know that they're so <laughs> this is such a weird thing so the reason that they're uh they taste kind of weird is they're actually banana flavored and and like this, this is true with like a lot of banana cl- like flavored candies that originally the bananas that were were available to like the masses at the time that a lot of candies were being manufactured and produced uh originally so like there was like a different type of banana that people were eating and it actually tastes closer to the candies that we all know as like banana flavored. So that, that banana can still be bought in like certain areas, but because of like disease and stuff, they had to switch to the banana that we all eat and know nowadays because it's a little bit more resilient to disease. 
And so I know way a little bit too much about banana history <laughs> and the etymology of it, but there are some bananas out there that this guy is on a quest to try. And if anybody has some access to like exotic bananas, hook your boy up because I know some flavors <laughs> that are like, I'm really trying to, there's like a blue, there's like a blue banana that tastes like vanilla ice cream and wow, really want to try it. Huh. Um, so this is uh streaming with two dudes, a podcast about all things, candy and bananas. <laughs> um, <laughs> And cereal. Uh, and cereal. And cereal. <laughs> and all things sweet. Um, good for you, bad for you, uh, healthy, you know, all things in between. So this week we watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, a 2019 horror film directed by Andre Overdahl based on the children's book series of the same name by Alvin, Sch Alvin Schwartz. The screenplay was adapted by the Hageman brothers from a screen story by producer Guillermo del Toro as well as Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. What things can you tell me? I mean, I I grew up with the book series, so I have a little history with the stories that are mentioned in the film. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective because we're, we'll definitely come from two different angles because I came in not knowing anything about the books. Yeah. I don't even know if I heard about the books. I mean, although the... The title, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark, sounded familiar. Mm -hmm. um, but I came into this movie like completely blind, like didn't really have any expectations because didn't know what it was about or the books or anything. So, so yeah, I'll be interested to hear, you know, look at both of our perspectives. A couple things I can tell you that I found interesting um, is that these books, which of course were, you know, I guess published in the 80s, they were some of the most banned and or challenge books mm -hmm. for decades yeah uh, since the 80s i guess like parents i guess as a whole hated the book series i guess for it to target i guess teenagers or kids i, I guess it was viewed as like too dark or maybe even too scary uh so yeah there was always battles through the 80s and 90s as far as trying to get these removed from from libraries which probably just helped the book series in general it probably yeah. just made kids really want to get their hands on it since it was uh so controversial but uh but yeah alvin schwartz who wrote the stories actually began his career uh in journalism mm -hmm. and then worked for a research company so he kind of used his knack for research to lead him to like studying american folklores and because that's what all the stories were based on was basically yeah. just a lot of the old folklores and you, you even hear some of the the characters in the movie mentioned, oh yeah, I remember, I remember my dad telling me that, you know, yeah. story, you know, as a kid or for, for years. So yeah, it was, uh, and then the guy, what was, I don't, I forgot his name. Anyway, it was the illustrator for the books. He was actually not known for like horror at all. Usually his, his work was much on the lighter side of things. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Gamble, I think. That's it. That's yeah. the name. Uh, so yeah, his, uh, the fact that that's, that wasn't even his history. And of course, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you would probably know since you were into the books, the illustrations is what really, did you look into some of them? I, I saw some and I, and I did see where like the movie, like did really good, mm -hmm. uh, as far as some of the monsters and matching it up with the, the true illustrations from the book. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, he does like this real. I don't. I, I can never really tell exactly what he what he uses, but it almost looks like a watercolor where he just uses like black on white, and he like yeah, they're very, very detailed, but also very minimal at the same time. And they're he didn't. I can't remember if he did one for every single story, but it seems like the ones that he did were always the most. Like the the illustrations he would do were always for the creepiest stories or the most like horrifying or the most like ones that would stick with you. And so there was like what two or three books? I think uh, there was three books total. Um, and, and, and like was was each book was just like a collection of short stories? Yeah. So like they weren't they could be anywhere from like a page or two to like up to like five or six pages long. They weren't neither no story was were very was very long. But yeah, they were they were collection. And even even reading them as a child, I had heard some of them as campfire stories. Mm-hmm. And then so so it's like it's you know, it's like a collection of stories. And I'm not sure how many of them he, you know, wrote on his own or how many, you know, he had he had gotten from from everywhere else. But yeah, I can even remember taking a few of the stories and you know sharing them with my friends as like a campfire story later on you know so it was it was definitely uh, like i i've even bought them and shared them as an adult you know with with kids kids in my life so love love the scary stories to tell in the dark so did you watch the movie originally when it first came out so i didn't see it when it first came out i did wait until it was already on netflix i didn't see it till probably about a year ago uh whenever i it was around this time i known i had known that it'd been out and i was excited for it i was you know super stoked and then i think it had came out just like right before covid hit i think it came out in 2019 and for some reason i just wasn't able to make it to the theater and then just kind of, you know, COVID happened, everything yeah. went crazy. Somehow it just kind of like slipped my mind that it was even, that it even came out and then uh, moved to Buffalo and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, hey, I forgot they made this movie. And not only did they make it, but it's already out on Netflix. So yeah. sat down and watched it and enjoyed myself. I was, I mean, I'll get into more of like what I thought about it. Uh, you know, at, at the end of it, definitely, as somebody that was a fan of the books, I was not let down with this story, because I don't know if you if you had ever seen the, the Goosebumps movie. They uh, they made a Goosebumps movie with Jack Black, and I feel like there's two different ways to do the adaptation of like children's story. Like the way they did it is both similar and not at the same time they're the stories are like based in reality and they all come to life but goosebumps is way goofier and childish yeah. with it while scary stories is way more dark and there's far fewer like jokes in it you know and it's not as lighthearted whatsoever so scary stories is way took a way better approach um so do you have anything else you want to talk about or do you want to get into it let's get into it like i might throw in some little interesting tidbits just 
as you get uh you know hit hit certain scenes or whatever in the recap all right so we start out in 1968 in mill valley pennsylvania on halloween we see some of the townspeople including stella who we follow home where she is feeding her dad dean norris uh i'm gonna go ahead and stop it here dean norris is somebody that i'm super familiar with from breaking bad i love breaking bad he was uh he was a major character in that show he was the walter white who is the main character he was like his brother-in-law who worked for the dea um and plus i've seen him in so many things since i've seen him in breaking bad i've noticed him in numerous things as like a as a character actor he's usually some type of police officer or some type of like you know party guy but i think uh, he was in um under the dome i don't know if you watched that one it may have only ran like a couple of seasons but we watched that one because it was filmed in a little town in north carolina called southport uh-huh. uh, which is just like one of our little favorite towns to go visit uh, occasionally um and they they did all the filming there so when we found out that's what they were filming while we were visiting of course you know once they aired we wanted to go check it out and pretty sure he was one of the main characters in that show okay that's cool um i mean i, I haven't like investigated him personally but just being a fan of such a big fan of that show like you you notice the people in it after watching it so many times that you they just he's one of those guys that it just seems like it's popped up and stuff that i've even stuff that i've seen i'm like oh my god i didn't even know that he was in this movie so it's always cool to like see him and stuff now and i mean even though he didn't really have a big part in this he did a you know a good scene a good a good job and the stuff he showed up uh, showed up in like he had to have emotion in one scene and he did really well uh so um, so since you stopped it here stella mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just gonna see if you match i guess what 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 i guess where my mind went but did she re- remind you of a certain character or give you a certain vibe of a certain character that's really popular in the horror genre maybe more on the animation level <laughs> i don't know where you're going with this okay but... dude to me she screams velma from scooby-doo okay with just... the glasses the glasses, the intelligence, just the the interest in you know horror in general. Okay. Uh, it's like within five ten minutes, I'm like, holy crap! This is like Velma from Scooby Doo. Okay, I could see that. Of course, you know, I, I grew up on, on Scooby Doo and stuff, so I, I thought that was really cool. All right, I, I get you. I get you. Stella enjoys horror, like you said, as uh, she has tons of posters all around her room, you know, from all the old classic horror. Her friends are trying to get her to go out for Halloween. Uh, Augie, one of her friends, he has an overbearing mom who is helping him get ready in a clown costume. And then we meet Tommy and some jocks. They're messing with a scarecrow named Harold, and they're drinking and just kind of like beating up on the scarecrow. Chuck, Stella's other friend, fishes some shit out of the toilet (laughs) and then Augie shows up and they head out. Meanwhile, Stella is finishing up her witch costume. The three go out trick-or-treating and are waiting for Tommy to come and steal their candy. Chuck's sister, Ruth, Tommy, and his friends spot the group and the group, having seen them coming, hold out the bag, hold out the bag of candy that one of the other jocks in the back seat snatches, but it's actually old man underwear. 
Tommy stops the car abruptly, and the three trick-or-treaters start pelting his car with eggs. Tommy hits reverse to pursue the kids, and Chuck lights a paper bag containing the shit from earlier on fire and throws it in Tommy's car. This causes Tommy to lose control and run through a fence. The group takes off into the woods, and Tommy, Ruth, and the other jocks take chase. The group runs into a drive-in theater where they get into a car with Ramon to hide from the jocks. They are found and told to get out. Tommy is racist and a real piece of shit. You know, calling Ramon some very unsavory racist names. And other moviegoers tell him to get back in his car or to leave. And he eventually does. Stella asks Ramon if he wants to see a haunted house. So all of them head to an old abandoned house said to once house a family named the Bellows who had a daughter named Sarah who they disowned for being strange and reportedly killing some children. She would tell the kids stories through the walls and was accused of killing them from the town by poisoning them and she committed suicide by hanging herself with her hair. Now her ghost will tell stories to anyone who asks her while while in the house after dark but it will be the last story they ever hear. They find Sarah's hidden room and Stella finds a music box and turns the knob. It still works. They also find her book of scary stories. The door to the room slams shut. It's Tommy and Ruth. Ruth asks Tommy to open it and he pushes her in with the kids. Stella Stella asks Sarah to tell her a story and a dark force comes over the room and a shadow lets them out. Tommy has vandalized Ramon's car. Stella invites Ramon to stay in her basement until the next morning. Stella, having taken Sarah's book of stories, starts to read through it and stops on a story titled Harold, where the ink seems to still be wet. Meanwhile, we see Tommy coming home drunk and has to deliver eggs to some neighbors. Cut back to Stella reading a story very similar to what is happening to Tommy. Tommy hits Harold the Scarecrow as he walks by. Through the cornfield, he gets turned around and comes back to Harold, or comes back to Harold's usual post where he is missing. Tommy bumps into Harold, who chases him through the cornfield and stabs him with a pitchfork. Tommy, hurt and freaked out, tries making it home when he starts coughing up and bleeding straw and collapses. The police question Ramon about Tommy missing, and Stella tells Chuck and Augie about the story. Stella and Ramon go to investigate the scarecrow to see if the story is true and the scarecrow is wearing Tommy's clothes. Stella, now freaked out, returns Sarah book, Sarah's book. That shows back up at Stella's house. All right, so is there any scenario in which you're walking through a cornfield at night? <laughs> Absolutely not, son. Not, not a chance. That, is, that in and of itself just sends chills down me. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't believe in ghosts and boogeyman, but man, that to me, that just in and of itself is like just had me on edge. I was yeah. just and so when she was flipping through the book, did any of the stories did it did you recognize any of them from when you were a fan of the books? Um I, I noticed they used actual stories from the, the original books. Yeah, they did. And I do I can't remember what they were, but I believe all of them that I that I that I could recognize, like that I or that were in there, I recognized them. 
uh, they seem familiar. Like, I mean, it's been a few years since I've actually read the books because I have read them as an adult, to be honest. And I can remember like a lot of the story titles and I even remember, you know, the, the stories that they used in the, in the book are some of the more popular ones. And I mean, I remember those very well. Um, but yeah, they used every title that they used, I believe was actually a title from the book from the ones that yeah. I can remember. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised even the ones that I didn't, you know, didn't stick out to me. I wouldn't be surprised if I looked them up to find out that they were as well, because they did a really good job of staying true to like the material that they pulled from uh, and how they did it. Great job. Uh, yeah. So that last scene you mentioned where the book just shows back up in, in her room, mm -hmm. man, I had a freaky, like real thing in life that was like very similar to that situation. <laughs> and the weird thing is, is it happened in between the first time I watched the movie and the second time. <laughs> oh, great. It's recent. Yeah. So we always keep this list like in the kitchen and just as we notice things we need from the grocery store, we just write them down. And uh, so I went to look for that list and it wasn't, you know, in the spot that we usually keep it. So I thought maybe Steph had already grabbed the list, put it in her purse because she was going to go to a grocery store or something. So I, I kind of look at her purse. It's not in there. And I think the next day I asked her about it and she said, well, look on the end table. It's either there or she said, maybe I, I thought I put it back on, you know, the, the counter where we keep the list. You know, I still didn't find anything. So I just went to the next sheet and started jotting down things because uh -huh. I was like, no big deal. So it wasn't a long list. So we'll just try to remember, you know, what might've been on it. So she goes to bed and all that. And I'm trying to remember some of the things that was on the list and I'm sitting there and the new list I started, I turn it around and on the back is the original list. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way <laughs> there's, that is just, that's a little freaky. Cause I thought I grabbed like a new sheet, you know, it's like the, it tears off each mm -hmm. thing. And I'm like, I could have swore I, I, I grabbed a, a brand new sheet and there, there should, there should not have been anything on the back of that. So that kind of like freaked me out a little bit, but anyway, so uh, do you, have you checked the batteries in your CO2 detectors lately? <laughs> Actually, I probably need to. I mean, it was like to the point where I was expecting to go to a new sheet and all of a sudden the grocery list just writes itself. <laughs> oh man, that's great. I bet that did freak you out a little bit, especially yeah, after watching so, uh, the movie. Actually, while we're while we're on the topic of like, or while we're stopped, I remember watching this the first time, and you know, up until the scene with Harold and the scarecrow, like with the scarecrow, I was you know kind of expecting it to be a little bit more childish. But once he actually got stabbed with the pitchfork, and <laughs> he started coughing up the straw, I was legitimately freaked out a little bit the first time watching it. Like I was actually like. That was when I was invested. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be dark and I'm here for it. Like uh, I was there for it because, you know, you weren't expecting too much out of a PG-13, but it was good. Good scene. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, I was usually watching this, uh, you know, sitting on the couch and Steph's on the couch, like reading a book or something. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, I'm watching it with my headphones and stuff. And there were like two different moments <laughs> in the movie to where 
I visibly jumped so bad <laughs> and like my phone went flying and, and, and then of course it scares her. <laughs> and it's one of those where you get scared and freak so bad that all you can do is laugh. So I, I just start laughing and chuckling and then she starts laughing and she's like, it's like, cause you know, she, she hates anything scary. So she uh-huh. doesn't understand how that is fun. <laughs> and so she doesn't understand why I put myself through that, but I'm like, so yeah, this for it to be, you know, considered like a a, a teen or kids thing. Like I said, there's not too many movies that have made me jump like that. And I don't know if it's because I went into it thinking it was going to be pretty mild or tame. Mm-hmm. And no, the scare stuff in it is is top notch. It was yeah. uh, the uh, uh, I'll go ahead and say it here, but the Tommy Harold scene. Mm-hmm. I, I guess when he first appears and they, they do such a good job with the music yeah and and, and the timing and of course especially when we weren't headphones man that that's what really gets you and then yeah. the scene with augie under the bed and <sighs> those two th- those were the two scenes that made me visibly jump and like i, I dropped my phone and it just uh intense uh ah, dude it, it reminds me so much of I don't know if you had one when you were a kid because um, it's, it's an old toy, but just the traditional Jack in the Box toy. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie reminded me of. It's like you brace yourself, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And it still scares the crap out of Every you. time, man. Every time. It's like, you know, like even though you, you turn it just a little slower and it's just, especially in that bed scene where you just crank, uh-huh. it just seems like he's cranking it slower. And you're just cranking it slower, and it's just like dun 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 dun, and it's just like you're waiting for it, and you just know it's just that note's about to pop, and that it's about to pop out of the box. But yes, that scene, man, that I mean, every scene that involved a story was pretty freaky, with the exception of one that we'll get into in a little bit. But the first three stories. Well, I guess the first four stories were pretty, three of them especially, really, like, I guess yeah. were in the moment freaky. Uh, and the first two were definitely one of them, you know, the Harold one and the Augie one. The Augie one was probably, <laughs> that one and the one with the pale lady was just, like, not even the chase, but once she actually caught him was probably one of the freakier moments for me. Um yeah. But just this, this, those two were just kind of disturbing, I guess. I mean, all three, I get, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the 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 plot of the story or the story of the movie. Uh, speaking of Augie, Stella and Ramon see a new story about him start to write itself in front of them. They try to warn him, but they but he doesn't believe them until he finds a toe in his stew. They race to rescue him, but are just seconds too late. Stella blames herself, and her and Ramon tell Chuck and Ruth about Augie in the book. They theorize that they woke Sarah up and are, and that they are all next. Ruth doesn't believe them and leaves. They can't destroy the book, so they decide to investigate more about Sarah Bellows and find out that her family, who went missing, all have stories written about them. The book then starts writing about Ruth, who is getting ready for her play and her zit has gotten huge. It's a spider bite. Oh yeah, no. She goes to the bathroom to try to pop it while the three run to her. The zit starts moving and a leg pops out. 
followed by hundreds of spiders. The group arrives and throws water on her face, and Ruth survives. Stella sees Sarah's ghost, and Ruth is taken away to the hospital. The remaining three go talk to the last known living person who knew, who knew Sarah. She has the same music box as the one in Sarah's room. This causes Lulu, the woman, to sing the lyrics and open up about Sarah, who had given Sarah, who she had given this, who had, who had given Sarah the book, and warns them that they shouldn't have taken the book. Before leaving, they find out that Sarah actually had hung herself at the asylum, so they go there to learn more. They find out the files are kept in the red room, and Chuck doesn't go due to having dreams about the red room. Stella and Ramon find a recording of Sarah being tortured over telling the people that her family's mill was actually poisoning the water and killing the children, not her. She then states, then she then starts telling a story about Chuck, who is actually being chased through the halls by a, a pale lady described in the story. He tries to turn down different halls and keeps meeting the pale lady who eventually surrounds and engulfs him. Stella and Ramon are caught and taken into custody. While locked up, a new story appears and body parts start falling from the chimney. The officer is killed and the jangly man throws his throws the officer's body against the bars and Stella gets the keys and frees herself and Ramon as the jangly man pushes himself through the bars towards Ramon. The two escape and, and split up to give Stella a chance to find a way to break the curse. Ramon takes a cop car and the jangly man chases him and Ramon runs the car into a Mack truck momentarily pinning, pinning the jangly man while Ramon escapes. Stella, back at Sarah's house, sees the horrors of Sarah's family while Ramon arrives, still fleeing from the jangly man. Stella, seeing herself in the mirror, realizes that she is Sarah and runs from everyone, but is caught and locked in the room. Sarah appears, and hearing Ramon's advice, Stella tells her, tells her the truth and shows her that she has turned into a monster. Sarah hands her a pen and tells her to write Sarah's story in her own blood. This releases Sarah from her anger and she leaves Stella and Ramon. Stella keeps her promise and spreads the word about Sarah's innocence and the horrors that she's endured. Ramon faces his fears and goes off to Vietnam. He leaves on a bus and reads a letter from Stella. Chuck and Augie are still gone, but Stella believes that, she, that the answer to the to bringing them back is in the book and we see that Ruth has joined her and her father to figure out how we get some enchanting music a train pretty trees the end and what a decent little movie man i i enjoyed that i enjoyed that thoroughly out of probably every movie that we've seen so far this month i think this one i probably would watch more than any other one as far as like going back to revisit oh yeah for sure and for me one of the like true signs of how great a movie is or how much you enjoyed it mm -hmm. is when it ends you want more you want more of the story you want more of the characters i mean you're just so invested you enjoyed the ride so much it's like you're like extremely sad that it came to an end. And that's how I felt after watching this movie. I'm like, oh, come on. I was like, I was, to me, it was like, it kind of reminded me of Goonies as mm -hmm. far as the adventure fantasy aspect of it, but only with a lot of good horror mixed in. So it was yeah. just like, like a great 
combination and uh but yeah i was like come on there's there's got to be a sequel right the way it ended you know surely and i actually read that they confirmed sometime in 2020 that there's a sequel yeah but there's like been hardly any information since then so i don't, I don't know where the sequel's at you know it's been over two years and not really anything has been said about it so I, i'm kind of hoping it's still in the books um, I, I'd love to see the next one to see if maybe they bring any of the if they're able to bring any of the characters back. Um, Which I have lost, seen I have seen that um, that so far the actresses that played Stella, the actress that played Ruth, the actor that plays Ramon, and Dean Norris, the actor that plays Stella's dad, have all been confirmed to be yeah. in the sequel. So those four, as of right now, are going to be you know in there and. Guillermo del Toro, you know, who produced and had a hand in writing the story, he's set on for the sequel as well. So I'm excited because it seems like it, it you know, with all the people that are involved. And I think even um, the director has signed on to do the, se- the sequel as well. So with so many stories to pull from that they can they can use, because, I mean, there's three books full of stories. And, I mean, each book probably has a good from what I can remember 30 to 40 stories in each one, you know, so there's so many good stories that they could pull from, you know, so many, like even like an urban legend type, you know, like stories that they have in there, like, cause it, it, it kind of has all of those for folklore type stories in there. So man, yeah, they, the, the way they took, I mean, cause obviously this movie isn't, isn't the book. Like you no. said, it's, it's just a bunch of short stories, but the way they incorporated some of the monsters from those short stories and developed mm-hmm. this really cool story that incorporated all that, but became its own story as well. Yeah. Um, like I wasn't familiar with the originals, but just kind of reading back on it, man, what a great job they did and, and, and being true to the books, but it's also its own, you know, its own thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I, I went into it, not a lot of expectations, not necessarily in a bad way, just, just blind. I, I didn't know anything about what, what the movie was about or what the books were. Uh, and I, I just came out of it, like just blown away. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I guess the scene with Harold is what was like, okay. I, it's like, all right. So this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, I wasn't expecting that type or that level of horror or scare and I'm like, okay, you got my attention. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm ready now. Yeah, and same, same for me. Like I, even like knowing the stories, and you know, even the, the all of the characters that they used, I was not expecting it to be this level of actual, I guess, horror, especially with the Harold scene. You know, right off the bat, you know, with it being so, I guess, violent and disturbing you know him spitting up that hey you know even me as a 35 year old man was like dude this is this is like i have a new fear like i didn't know that like coughing up hay was going to be a fear of mine in my life but you know here we are like that seems like a horrible way to freaking go and then you know being under the bed like that anytime a character goes under the bed <laughs> those scenes always freak me out and they always put me on edge every time no matter what movie it is and this one seemed like it did did it even better than any of the ones i've ever seen before because 
you have him looking around, not seeing anything. You get him going out of the bed. And then you have him, you know, looking around everything. And the tension is just building the whole time. Him peeking up to look over the bed. Oh, my God. And not seeing anything. And then finally getting jerked, you know, back under the bed. And it's just like, oh, man, that scene, that one got me. And then, then you know, the whole pale lady, just slow, like she's just disturbing looking herself. And then just having that slow chase, you know, like almost like a Michael Myers type, like we were talking, you know, we've talked about like the, the slow moving thing that's just coming towards you and you just can't get away from it. That was terrifying. And then I got, I got so mad at Chuck. I'm like, come on, Chuck, surely you can maneuver around her. She's not right. You would think, you would think. (laughs) Like you would think he would at least try that. That was that one was crazy, but it's it, it's crazy how the movie tapped into your own fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the one with Tommy and, and Harold, I, I'm kind of mad about that one because I actually had very fond memories of, of cornfields <laughs> uh, when I was when I was a kid, like during the elementary school ages. My best friend across the street behind their house was all these cornfields and i don't know if it was like during the off season or if they were like dead but we 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 had our forts back there and all we we would do is we would just stomp a trail and then we would stomp out like a little square for like you know a room and then we would stomp another trail and go to another room and then all the farmers loved you yeah really (laughs) and then we had like this convenience store down the road we'd go there and pick up some snacks and chips and drinks and we go to one of our little cornfield rooms and uh but never went out there at night though no (laughs) yeah so it's like i'm pretty sure from here on i'll forever have a fear of cornfields thanks to old harold (laughs) Uh, i mean it's legitimately freaky and and then the one with uh the spider uh oh I mean, I, I don't like spiders anyway, mm. but like it kind of freaked me out when uh, Stella and Ramon like seem unbothered by that big spider web when they first went into that secret room. Yeah. I'm like, there ain't no way. I've been like, <laughs> I'm grabbing a broom or something. I ain't, I'm not wiping any. I hate being outside walking around a tree and I end up walking through one. Oh yeah. my gosh. Same. But like, it, it actually reminded me of uh, this, this warehouse place I worked at the the plant manager there he was one of those like extreme animal lovers like he didn't even want a spider to be harmed and there was this good sized spider that was crawling around the floor and of course i'm gonna kill every spider i see but he wanted to save it and take it back outside and i'm with him on that i'll do that so he scooped it up on this piece of paper and the spider fell and this thing was pregnant and when it hit the floor all these babies went I mean, to this day, that vision like sticks uh, to my head. So when that scene uh, hit roof, it kind of brought back that. And it, oh man, it just gave me the creeps big time. So <clears throat> speaking of how the how the stories are hitting you, like on personal levels, did you notice that each one of the stories were like affected? Like it like tapped into each one of the characters' fears based on who they are. Now, you've been looking at my notes. Is oh, ah, <laughs> is that something you, you have a note on? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, it was It was a little something I, I noticed a little bit, but then like doing some research, they kind of pointed that out too. So yeah, 
like yeah. I said, uh, I didn't pick it up on the first watch through as far as like Augie mm-hmm. and, and like his fascination with like what's in foods and that kind yeah. of stuff. And of course, you know, he's the one that eats the toe. And I'm like, yeah. the one time that you don't care or you're not suspicious about what's in food, you're going to eat this mysterious stew and crunch on somebody's toe. Ah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it was uh, as far, you know, Ruth, you know, she's the one that panics big, like, like I would have with the whole spider web and. Well, not even just that, but just her beauty, like her being so like obsessed with being like beautiful and her physical appearance as well. Yeah. It makes me wonder, you know, did she really think it was a spider bite or was she just saying that because it, it was like a good excuse for why there was a zit on her face? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I think oh, that's, that's what not it was. a zit. That's a spider bite. You know, I did walk into that spider web, but yeah. But yeah, like you say, it was cool how they kind of related each monster with that person's fear or it was kind of connected in some way. Uh, uh, that that was pretty wild. And I also noticed that it was a little interesting that uh, I think it was Chief Turner. He was the only one, I guess, that died that wasn't technically part of one of the stories. Yeah. Well, I guess he was just like a innocent bystander, I guess would be the best term. But he was the only one that, that actually died that... I guess that the Sarah monster was after. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, what was it? Stella had made a comment and I guess it played, I guess that's the way it played out, but the stories were only going after all the people that went into the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I don't think it went after or wrote a story about anybody outside of that group that went in. No, it didn't. Uh, I mean, outside of her family, it was just the people that were in the house when, when Stella asked Sarah or Sarah to tell her a story. So yeah, it didn't affect anybody else. The only person I think the only person that even saw anything outside of them was the officer mm. that got killed. Right. I don't think anybody else even saw anything. I mean, I don't know if like any of the kids at school actually saw the whole spider thing. Um, I, I can't remember what they actually saw or if they just kind of saw the aftermath of it. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I mean, that officer might have been the only one that I guess actually witnessed something like weird going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that was actually the only the only one that actually didn't scare me uh, was that monster. I don't know if like it was a little. It was the least creepy of all of them for me. I think it was called the Jangly Man. Or yeah, something the Jangly like Man. Yeah, I actually Which, read that that was the one character that didn't actually come from one of the original illustrations from the books. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the, there being an illustration for that one. So, I mean, that, that tracks, I mean, I remember the story. But yeah. I would but, agree that that was the one that probably freaked me out the least. Mm-hmm. I did read the interesting that, uh, the guy that played that monster was a contortionist named Troy James, who was actually featured on America's got talent. Oh, cool. And, they did use CGI to enhance like the movements of his face, but he performed all the other movements as far as like walking backwards and crawling upside down. He did all that himself. So they just use like motion capture, like technology yeah. for him. And that's awesome. I mean, that part's pretty wild. That's cool. So uh, I've did this on a few of our things uh, this month, but what would have, and we've kind of hit on this already. What, what would have been like your scream of the night? What, what was the one scene that, probably made you scream the most or jump the most or like freaked you out the most uh the most tense one was by far augie's scene where he's under the bed uh that one 
because I, I I have a little bit of claustrophobia, not so much like like it's definitely like I don't like feeling like I'm trapped, especially when if I was being chased, that would not be where I would I would not put myself in a small enclosed place. That'd be the last place I would be. So just those those moments are always the most intense for me. But it's, it's a really it's a really close tie between that and the Harold scene, um, and not even not even Harold being chased, but him getting stabbed and with by the pitchfork. Like it didn't really make me jump, but it kind of startled me because up until that point, I'm not like you. Even the first time I watched it, I didn't really know what I was expecting, but I didn't expect something that dark and serious and so i i don't know that 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 scene probably hit me the hardest as far as what i wasn't prepared for so i guess that one probably disturbed me the most especially with the hay coughing up and everything like it it set a pace for the movie that i was like on board for and it got my attention but the augie scene was by far the scariest uh, as far as like being in the moment and not being wanting to be in that situation, like where he was in, and it was the most tense by far. So I, I give it a, I give it a the winner, the Augie scene with a close runner up with the Tommy slash Harold scene for sure. Uh, what about you? Yeah, man, you're you're like definitely reading right off my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, as far as the jump meter. It, it was definitely the Augie scene. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, the whole Tommy Harold scene, like you said, that I guess by the time the Augie scene happened, you knew every, anything was on the table. Mm-hmm. But before the Tommy Harold scene, you're just like, okay, you know, just, I went into it thinking, man, this movie is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. And then that happened. I'm like, holy crap. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's time to strap in. And yeah, that scene was definitely more disturbing and creepy just because the scarecrow look in general and just the, the things, the bugs crawling on his face and yeah. Real uh, Mr. Oogie Boogie vibes. Oh my gosh. And like I said, just walking through a cornfield that late at night in general. But yeah, both of those, man, it, Oh my gosh. We talked about it earlier that just whole, especially in Augie scene, that just whole Jack in the box and he's, his head slowly peeks up over the bed. And I'm just like, all right, is he, see it later right. i'm like oh my gosh is but, it about to jump out of like jump from the bed like from the head of the bed and then oh, man, when it pulls him back under i just wasn't i wasn't really expecting that so see i mean Whew. this is my kind of scary movie because to me it's all about the fun the adventure the jumps the scares and I guess what doesn't appeal to me is when it gets like really gory and gross mm-hmm. because I don't find that scary at all. I just find it gross and I, I gross doesn't entertain me at all. And this movie managed to scare the crap out of you and not use really a lot of gore or, you know, I don't really remember any gore. I mean, there's some like, you know, the whole Tommy thing, you know, puking up hay. Yeah. I mean, even that's not like, gory or gross it's just like creepy and freaky um so that's why this this movie really appealed to to all the things i love about scary movies yeah i think Um, it showed more blood in the scene where stella is writing sarah's story than it does in the scene where he gets stabbed with a pitchfork oh yeah i mean it's uh and, and i guess that's probably where 
you know, the, the PG 13 probably kept it from getting too gory. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, I loved it. Um, I agree. They did a great job at not like just at, at keeping it right on that level and that line, like riding that line of not being too graphic, but showing enough that it's disturbing. This is one of those horror movies that is appropriate for kids, but it doesn't feel like it was trying to be made for kids. If that makes sense. You know, if you're, if you have a kid that's interested in like in horror films at all, like this would be a great film for them. You know what I mean? Like if they're, cause it's not, but it's enough to freak them out. As long as they're not prone to scary dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. This, it, it kind of, I would describe it as the Shrek of horror flicks. Yeah. Because I remember when Shrek came out, you know, it's it's for kids, it's it's animation, but it was it was so good for adults too, just because a lot of the the hidden humor in it that was only for adults, it's kind of over kids' head, but it still worked great as a kids' movie. But man, adults loved it just as much. And it yeah, this, this one kind of reminded me just from that perspective that. Um, I can see, I mean, obviously me and you love it, but I can see any adult um, loving this movie, even though it's, you know, based off of more of a kids or teen, you know, short stories. Which, I mean, you know, even the, even the stories that are in the book, even though it's, you know, they're known as children's books, like they're not, those are themselves aren't written for children. You know what I mean? Like as they're not necessarily written with children in mind like they're not full of adult themes but you know there's tons of scary and morbid and i mean as we see in the movie like that's why the the feel of the movie captures the feel and of the book so well like as you're reading these stories like it captures that the essence and the feeling of reading the books very well I, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think with any like really good movie, you also tend to like quotes will kind of stick with you. Mm-hmm. Um, d- did you have any quotes in the, in the movie that you found like either funny or just like, just like one you remember a lot? I mean, Chuck definitely had some good ones. Chuck and Augie were hilarious. Uh, so I definitely, I don't, I didn't write any of them down, but I guarantee you, like, there's probably a few that if I watch this movie a few more times that I will probably just pick up on and quote randomly. And it'll be one of those things that I probably couldn't tell you exactly where it came from until I watch the movie again. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's where I got that from. And then, but uh, what about you? I I wrote two down and and one was from Chuck that I thought was just hilarious because just unfortunately, I'm just not much of a book reader. Even though, like, when I do decide to read a book, I always enjoy it. And, like, man, I should, I should read more. And I just <laughs> never do. But I think it was right after they tried to burn the book. You know, and Chuck's already upset at this point because, you know, his best friend Augie is either dead, missing, or whatnot. And he's like, this is why I don't read books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that's the most relatable saying in the whole movie. And then the other one I wrote down, which – it's like the quote that they could easily use as a tagline for like the movie posters or, or whatever. But when, uh, when Stella says, you don't read the book, the book reads you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty deep, but pretty true in relation to that 
the way the movie played out. Yeah, especially like with what we were talking about, how you know the the stories related to the characters themselves. Which I mean, honestly, like like you said, I didn't even with her saying that did not pick up on the theme of that until honestly when I was taking notes. So I didn't even pick up on it. The I mean, I've seen this movie. This is not my first, second, or like honestly, I think it was my third time watching it the other night. And then my fourth time taking the notes. So it took me four times to watch this movie to even catch that theme. So maybe I need to pay more attention to movies. And maybe that's a good thing, you know, with with this podcast, you know, maybe I actually will be able to do that and watch things a little bit more in depth instead of just taking them at face value. Well, Uh, man, a lot of times that's just a sign of a great movie that there's, there's so much happening and, and and to me you kind of when you lose yourself in the movie mm-hmm. to where you're just along for the ride you're just having a great time that you're not you're not looking for that deeper stuff you're you're just like you just want to free your brain of any thinking and just enjoy the ride and this is definitely one of those movies and so yeah i'm sure if i watched it a third fourth time i there's probably a n- number of things i would pick up on that like oh, i didn't even think about that or but, yeah. Uh, um, and speaking of like, I mean, speaking of things like I, we didn't really talk about too much, but the spider scene with Ruth, like spiders don't really bother me too much. But when that leg pokes out, <laughs> that that part was so disturbing to me, the her like the leg wiggling and all of that and her touching it and uh, that part. It's like they with with the exception of the jangly man, it's like they found a way to make even the the most mundane stories like just be even freakier because it's like the rest of that scene like didn't really bother me too much like i'm not like like yeah like hundreds of spiders would freak me out if they were here in person but just seeing them on screen doesn't really bother me or freak me out but seeing that one leg just poke out and then (laughs) her touching it and it's starting to wiggle man that just that just gives me the friggin (laughs) heebie-jeebies and so it's just like every every scene, like they figured out some kind of way to make it disturbing in some aspect. So good job on them. Good job. Who is your uh, dude or dud of the week this week? Man, it's, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, there's so many you could pick. I'm just going to go predictable. I'm just going to go with Stella. All right. Uh, I mean, obviously, she's the star of the movie. She, you know, the main character. I, I loved her character from the very beginning. Like I said, right off the bat, threw off the whole Velma from Scooby Doo, which I mean, I, mean, I loved. Vel- you know, she was one of my favorite characters from Scooby Doo. I felt like she was didn't get a lot of the attention that the other characters on Scooby Doo. So I'm sure some of it was just sympathetic, but I just thought her her character on Scooby Doo was really cool. So like, that's immediately where my brain went when I saw Stella, and I. I just love her character from start to finish. So, hey, I'm a Velma dude. I, I've I've always had a, a thing for for Velma over Daphne for sure. Definitely. Oddly enough, <laughs> we're, we're probably in that same club. All right, all right. I don't know if it's just because Daphne was just too obvious. It's just like it's not. There's nothing interesting there. Velma yeah, was I, interesting. I agree. It feels <laughs> like it feels like you could you could you know you can actually have a conversation with with Velma. It feels like. There and, wouldn't and, be very they, much going on. I can't remember if I've actually watched the actual Scooby Doo movies, 
Didn't they sexualize Delma's character a good bit? I, if I remember correctly. I don't like. I don't even know if I've watched all the movies. I've only seen the first one. And I don't remember it, but because I, mean, I remember being I a little be too surprised. And I'm, and I'm probably not the typical dude, but I remember being a little disappointed in that because I'm like, really? We all know that's not what her character was. So did we have to really appease to the men or the men audience to to go that route? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but. I do remember that movie also being kind of a um, kind of a parody type thing. So they could have even done it as like a commentary. But I mean, it's been so long since I've seen the first one. I don't even think I've seen the second one. So I, I really couldn't comment on that, to be honest. But well, you can't comment on who your dude or dud of the week is. All right. My dud of the week, which I haven't done in a little while, is going to be Tommy kids drinking in high school he's driving he's just that not only just like the prototypical like douchebag jock that we see in a lot of these movies but he even ramps it up you know several notches to like like his like his character could have been a bully in the stand by me film you know like that's how like like you this kid this kid is like a sociopath like he's locking kids in rooms he's beating on his girlfriend like domestic violence he's a racist piece of crap you know he's just the worst so he is absolutely my dud of the week the duddiest yeah, I, mean, I was legitimately like worried about the kids when they were running through the the woods mm-hmm. because he was chasing them because i'm thinking even at that stage of the movie i'm like wow is he, is he gonna like kill him or right. is he gonna like kill one of them or Cause I, you know, at that point I didn't know what was going to happen, but yeah, like you said, I'm like, man, this dude's like, he's messed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned the the actor earlier, but he did a really good job. I mean, this kid had crazy in his eyes and it, it played well on camera. Cause he, he disturbed me. Like he was probably just as scary as some of the freaking stories. Yeah. And um, I looked him up and he's, he's done well for himself. He's been in a lot of stuff uh not necessarily maybe a lot of stuff i've watched but the stuff he's been in is is i've heard a lot about so it's he's he's been in some well-known stuff well, good um, for him so obviously in this movie you can tell he's 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 a pretty good actor so it makes sense that he's uh well sought after well cool cool well i mean we've already kind of talked about the what we've thought about it but you can go into a little bit more of that and give us your rating this week it's definitely a one. This movie, I mean, <laughs> my gosh, what a complete! I will never get that two hours back. No. <laughs> um, right, I guess, so, I guess we'll we'll rate this out of uh, we'll rate this out of. Let's see, what was it last? We did, we did it. I did it last week. So this week, you could you can give us our ratings. What what are we going to give our ratings this week? All right, out of hmm, out of five toes. All right, there we go. Out of five toes. <laughs> I'm giving this one a very high, solid 4.5. All right. Only because it's very difficult for me to hand out a five. But otherwise, if someone could show me a list of all the scary movies I've seen, I would have to think this goes in my top five or top ten. Oh, um, Awesome. I'd, so yeah great job on the recommendation like i said this this one was right up my alley this you know 
we've we, we kind of approached this this month is you know will we get jeff to fall in love uh with scary movies again because i mentioned it's kind of been a uh lost love affair but these this type of movie is what makes me love because I, I love being scared i love being on the edge of my seat like that and yes like that whole jack-in-the-box feeling and i just feel like over the last 20 years something years when i you know i hadn't watched them near as much when i did watch one i didn't feel like i was getting that mm-hmm. uh it was either just a lot of gore or just weirdness or just grossness and that I don't find that scary. I don't find it entertaining or fun, but this, I mean, movies like this or like scream or uh, those type of things that that's what makes me love scary movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as somebody that has been, you know, pretty involved with like horror throughout his whole life and, you know, the past, you know, 35 years of films that include horror, I would say that this is a really over the past, you know, five, six years, this has been a really exciting time for horror. Probably since, I would say, probably since the late 80s, mid to late 80s, because a lot of things are, they're getting better, you know, with what they're doing and they're getting, you know, kind of, you know, smarter and they're not necessarily just doing things, you know, just for the sake of doing them anymore. They're actually being really well made really well produced a24 they're doing like things what they call and i hate saying this word but like what they call like elevated horror because it, yeah i guess it makes it sound like other horrors not elevated but you know kind of a little bit more like thinking type horror that dives into a little bit more of that like a psychological horror but yeah man this is just like classic this is a great great movie um i'm probably gonna shock you a little bit with my score only because while i i think it's great and everything you know like i i can see you know a few things like and the only the only real thing that i have a problem with is the jangly man scene it just seemed kind of goofy almost and you know with how how well everything else was done uh, this is it's really my only gripe. And it, will it prevent me from watching this? Absolutely not. Will it prevent me from recommending it? Absolutely not. But the jangly man scene and the CGI in it were just were just how well everything else looked, including the um the pale lady. You know, the pale lady, if you're looking at the picture of her, you could see a thousand ways that they could make her look silly and make her look creepy or make her look not so creepy and they did such a great job of making her look just like the drawing but also being very creepy and very menacing and the fact that they couldn't do that with the jangly man you know which i mean i know that they didn't have anything to go off of as far as like pictures which makes it seem like they could make it even creepier but the fact that they weren't going off of a drawing kind of seems like they did him a disservice in this situation because you know from for that reason only i'm gonna have to give it a four and the only reason i do that is because i did enjoy it you know i enjoyed so much of it and it's so well written the core uh the cinematography is great 
the and the special effects are great with the exception of that and like the it just took away from that and i felt like the whole scene could be a little bit scarier maybe they could have used a different character maybe just spent a little bit more time on the cgi or just shown different things with it just that scene just didn't really do it for me and the fact that it was in a spot that you know was basically at like almost the climax uh it just didn't really do it for me even when the cop got killed it you know it sh- should have been one of the more freakier scenes and it really, it really wasn't so i'm just gonna have to give it a little bit lower of a score for that reason other than that great film if you love anything about horror if you loved the books as a child 100 recommend it you know if you are somehow listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the film even with us and what we've said go watch it because it's great i it's not too scary if you have kids that are into horror or they just want to watch a scary movie maybe like maybe not lower younger than eight or nine should be watching this movie but you know it's it's pretty tame as far as a lot of horror films could be but it's definitely a lot scarier than a lot of children's horror and things yeah, that are aimed for sure. children. So keep that in mind. Uh, it's definitely not a lighthearted romp through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that gives us an average score of 4.25 toes, which puts us at number one for our movies so far especially with our horror films uh puts it above the black phone uh so not a bad score man not a bad place to be i'm not mad that this overtook the black phone i feel kind of proud you know because i brought this one to the table as well so um, what was the what was the black phone score the black phone i believe has a a four? four a four solid four yeah i think we both gave that one a four Next week will be our last week on our Halloween series. And we will be watching, as Jeff mentioned earlier, Halloween Ends, which will be fitting because this episode will be dropping the day before Halloween, I believe. So you can catch that on HBO. Oh, wait. You can catch that on Peacock, right? Peacock, yeah. Yeah. If if you need to catch up um, and watch Halloween Kills, uh, that's on HBO Max. Okay. And I'm not sure about the Halloween before that one because it's been a couple of years since I watched that one. But yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we will catch you guys next week. Jeff, my friend, you thank you so much for doing this with me and for meeting with me this week and for talking this film with me. This is great. I had fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendation. Like I said, you you, you might have put one in my top five, top 10. So awesome. Um, definitely enjoyed it. And, uh, Looking forward to some Michael Myers and uh, it's a, a fitting end to our Halloween month. Yeah, it, literally Halloween ends next film. So exactly. Aha. But I'm Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Five stars really do help this, these dudes out. If you have a thought or idea about what we're watching, please email us at streamingwithtwodudes at gmail.com or request to join the Streaming With Two Dudes Facebook group. Links to our Patreon and our socials are in the show notes. Thanks again. And remember, you don't listen to the podcast. The podcast listens to you.